Thanks for checking out this podcast from SWGFL. We're here to help teachers and education professionals support children and young people in all that they do online. Just to avoid any confusion, in autumn of 2022, we branded our podcasts as Interface. This is actually one of our older episodes from before the big rebrand, so it might sound a little bit different. However, there's still the same top quality advice and expert support throughout. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this Safeguarding Children online podcast brought to you by SWGFL. Welcome to the SWGFL podcast, the free definitive guide helping educators keep young people and yourselves safe online. I'm Jess Macbeth, a consultant with SWGFL, partner in the UK Safer Internet Centre. Today I'm joined by Claire Levins, Policy Director at Internet Matters. We're going to talk about two new resources launched by Internet Matters aimed at supporting parents and professionals caring for all young people online. Welcome. Hello, Claire. Hello, Jess. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So uh, before we talk about all these new resources, who are you and what is Internet Matters? Thank you. So um, I'm the policy director at Internet Matters. Internet Matters is a not-for-profit funded by industry dedicated to helping families um, keep their children safe online whilst enjoying the benefits of connected tech. Um, And as policy director, my job is to, um, in the old days when we were allowed to go out, wander around Westminster and Whitehall and uh, meet policymakers and talk about online safety, get it on their policy agenda. Um, Now I do that by Zoom and Teams. And it's a little (laughs) bit harder uh, as we're all experiencing. (laughs) Oh, man. Sounds like your job is amazing, though. Okay, tell me about Jack. Jack is, uh, well, I've not met Jack, but I've met his mum and she's a remarkable lady. Jack is 16 and he has um, SCND. And I um, spoke to her at length in a focus group about parents and carers with uh, looking after children with SCND. And she was saying amongst all the risk and challenge of being online, if you have SCND, she was saying that when Jack games, he is just Jack. He's not Jack with special needs. He's not Jack with the Senko round the corner always next to him. He has he's free to be who he wants to be whilst he's gaming. And she was saying that freedom is so important to him and to her. Wow. Yeah. And you know that's that's so resonant, isn't it? Because I mean, we're going to talk all about kind of vulnerable people and, and young people with different kind of needs and, and capabilities and risks online. But there's always that aspect, I suppose, of potentially labelling people or treating them in a certain way. Um, So I guess that's probably quite a difficult area to navigate is how do we support young people with their own kind of needs and context online, whilst at the same time recognising that, you know what, everybody wants to have fun. (laughs) That's absolutely right. And you know what, every child is different. And as parents, we know that, don't we? And Mm -hmm. but I think somehow when we get into professional mode, it's it's somehow easy to put kids in buckets or boxes and say, you know, all children with this or that will will respond, you know, in exactly the same way. And they don't. And that's joyful. But it just means that our advice, our counsel, our tips has to be more nuanced. And I think that's probably why we wanted to create some dedicated resources, because all of our insight seems to 
suggests that, you know, different groups of children are having very different experiences online. So on the Internet Matters website, um, you've got a whole section there about uh, vulnerable children online, for example, uh, with loads of different resources and reports and research, etc. One of the reports I was looking at is called Life Online for Children with SEND. And the first line in the executive summary says, this is a report about differences and commonalities, which I, which is quite striking. And also I noticed uh, a photo that's further in the report of a young person holding up a sign that says adults are patronising to young people. Can you tell us about the report and what you learned about Life Online for Children with SEND? Yes. So the report is a summary of two days of workshops with um, teenagers with SEND that the wonderful Adrian Katz and her team at YouthWorks delivered for us and um, focus groups that Internet Matters ran with parents and carers of children with SEND. And what we learnt was that um, those teenagers use the internet in precisely the same way that you or I do. So to connect with their friends, to follow celebrities, to um, explore more about their interests, um, to to find that sort of independence. Um, But the experiences that they have are markedly different. So whether Mm. that is because um, perhaps um, as a part of... um, having SEND they're not as discriminating or as discerning or they have a a higher propensity to trust people Um, they perhaps believe more of what they read and see online and they don't kind of think about it more critically I think also because they experience um, being different at school their desire for validation online is stronger so they were very very keen to have you know hundreds of thousands of followers people that they've never met um but they but but that number that the larger the number the more popular they felt and that has some serious social currency at school yeah which reminds me i suppose of that idea of you know when you go online it amplifies you that's what i say to people it amplifies you know you and who you are and what your strengths are and also your risks so like if you're somebody who is um really into volunteering and supporting community chances are you'll do more of that online if you are somebody who is hasn't has some um issues for example with um self-esteem then you know you might take that online and kind of feed and amplify that um online and so I I guess what you're saying here is that also then applies in in different ways as well uh for young people who might have additional needs or who might be um more at risk of being targeted or, or or whatever online as well exactly um your the application point you make is absolutely right and and i think that cross, cuts across a number of different kind of groups of children so yes absolutely children with scnd and and we have seen some evidence in the um cyber survey reports again that adrian katz writes um in partnership with internet matters that um some children with scnd seem to be targeted um because their offline friends know uh, that they are less likely to be critical uh, and so there's an element of targeting which I think is really uh, challenging um, yeah. to, to, for, for, for families to manage but I think also um, when you look at um, the experience that uh, children with LGBT um, have online you know their likelihood to see hate speech their likelihood to see um you know, sort of hate speech at one extreme and kind of conversion therapy um, at the other um, on a fairly grim spectrum 
um, you know, is much higher than children and young people who who are not LGBTQ. And so there are some specific risks there that actually we want parents and professionals to be aware of so that the advice they're giving to, to those young people it matches their situation, it meets their needs rather than just sort of generic rules-based don't do this online, don't do that online, because that's not working. Yeah, and I think we're we're definitely making strides, aren't we, both in terms of, I think, trying to move on from the rules-based, although I think there's still a lot of that, particularly at primary, mm. um, you know, posters with the list of all the rules. Um, but that's a real challenge, isn't it, for professionals? How do you then sort of differentiate or, or provide more nuanced you know, advice for children because it's so much easier isn't it to stand you know in class to, to 30 kids and go here's the rules guys you know don't show your passwords job done you're absolutely <laughs> right and my children are primary age and they can come home and they can recite all the rules and actually you know when we spoke to uh when you speak to any young person they can recite all the rules but it's not informing or influencing their behavior mm. um and there's a whole number of reasons for that. But yes, it's much easier just to stand up and say, it's all black and white, friends, you know, uh, do this, don't do that. You'll be safe. Job done. It's not. Let's, oh, sorry, sorry but what I was going to say was that's not how it works. And actually, in every other part of education, it's personalised to the individual needs and skills and talents of the child. Online safety education needs to get to that standard too. Yeah. Let's talk about the hubs then. So you've yeah. got two hubs. Uh, that are launching um one of them i believe connecting safely online and the other one inclusive digital safety tell us about those that's right so you can find both of them on the internet matters website so connecting safely online is a hub for parents and um children with SCND and it's got a strand of activity for children young people to do so um it's everything from am i ready for social media to um how do I feel about, you know, all sorts of things. There's a strand for parents about how to talk to their um, teenager about um, the, the benefits and challenges of social media. And then crucially, there's a strand of activities to do together. And that might be anything from a, a family agreement about when you're going to put your devices away and talk to each other to, you know, the fact that actually... Um, one of the things that we found with this group in particular was that mum, and it is nearly always mum, is far more involved in their child's online life than um, for, for children who don't have SCND. So your mum might be checking your phone every night and sorting out any issues that you have. And there was a much higher acceptance, indeed a willingness from the children and young people that we spoke to that that was appropriate and that gave them a sense of safety. Oh, that's interesting. So it's like... I know, I know kind of where the boundaries are, but I also, yeah, yeah, really interesting. But presumably then from a parent's perspective, so there's a tension there, right, between privacy and yes. safety? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and the, the parents and professionals that we spoke to were saying, actually, privacy is kind of for the bathroom. It's not for online. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that that's a kind of extreme view but actually they were saying in order because my child has SEND I am more involved in every aspect of their life than if they didn't and that goes for online too and so whilst I want to respect their privacy 
my primary concern as a parent is to keep them safe. Yeah, but that must also then in turn mean that there's more pressure on parents so particularly where you've got parents for example who don't feel very digitally savvy don't feel you know confident in their own skills there must be if you've got you know a child ascend there must be then additional pressure because you really feel like actually I really need to get to get involved exactly that and also these parents are very often battling all sorts of bureaucracy and institutions to get the entitlements for their children and young people that uh, that are rightfully theirs and so it, it's online safety is just another thing that they have to um, yeah. think about which is why their counsel to us as internet matters so an organization that spends its life creating resources for parents was you've got to be absolutely direct I don't want any on the one hand you could do this on the other I want it direct straightforward really simple evidence-based but just tell it like it is and so the resources for uh, parents on the connection safely online has a different look and feel and tonality to the resources that we would normally produce and that's based exactly precisely on what they asked for so parents are saying we want you to tell us just exactly what to do basically yes we don't want a you know sort of a sort of wishy-washy, you could do this or you could do that. We parent Those parents were saying straight down the line, tell us exactly what we need to do to keep our child safe. See, now that's really interesting to me because, you know, I'm aware that a lot of parents will look to parental controls, you know, and uh, so parents of all children mm-hmm. uh, will quite often. And also, you know, if I get booked into a parent session, you know, to deliver training for parents, uh, the focus on the parental controls is a really big thing. And I have to sort of gently explain that, (laughs) you know, kids have motivations and interests and uh, understanding and that can override, you know, they can find ways to get around filters and filters quite often don't work in different ways. And so, yeah, I can really see how parents are looking for something direct and concrete. But on the other hand, I would normally be saying to them, mm, so much more nuanced. You need to have the conversations. You need to be thinking about this. You need to be involved in their life, that kind of stuff. You're absolutely right. And I think that desire for clarity um, comes from a position with those parents where they are actively involved and where they are having conversations pretty much day after day because they are looking at those children's and teenagers devices every day but you're absolutely right you know parental Mm. controls we've got huge sections on the internet matters website on parental controls and they are still ranking within the top 10 um, most popular pages that we have yeah but but they're like step one (laughs) well and also in some ways it's the kind of false security isn't it right I've locked everything down Um, and that that kind of works when your kids are younger but you know through all the research that we've done over years over six years that we've been uh, in existence parents are saying you know yes there are technical tools that help but actually I don't want to be the fun police I don't want to be the person (laughs) who you know locks everything down as my child grows older I have to teach them about what they do online in the same way that I would teach them how to ride a bike, how to drive a car. It's yeah. I can't just lock it down and hope the tech would do everything. So the single most important thing for keeping kids safe online is for their parents to be actively involved in their online life. And that's yeah. more than just don't do this, don't do that. But it's what, what is it about Fortnite that fascinates you? And you kind of have mm-hmm. to, you know, take a deep breath and listen to what they say, even if you can't see the attraction at all. 
Yeah. So we've talked about connecting safely online, mm. uh, but you've got the other hub as well, inclusive digital inclusive safety. digital safety. Yes, and I'm really excited about this hub because um, it covers uh, a different range of of uh, children and young people. So, uh, and it's for parents and professionals this time. So we are looking at children with SEND and the support that they need. And I think we we wanted to offer professionals something as well as parents because. Um, for two reasons. One is there are so many children with SEND. And secondly, some of the research that we've done um, uh, in in the report Vulnerable Children uh, in a Digital World, which is also on our website, suggests that professionals don't really have the resources they need to have meaningful conversations with children and young people. So inclusive digital safety looks at uh, children with SEND. It looks at children from minority populations, particularly um, LGBTQ children. uh, And it looks at um, children that have or are um, care experienced. Wow. Okay. So these really sound like amazing resources. If you were to sort of summarise and say, what's the main so let's look at our different we, we kind of we've talked about young people we've talked quite a bit about parents mm-hmm. so if we look at professionals what would you say are the you know the top two or three things that really they should take away from all of this that would influence their practice when they're, when they're working with young people so our our mission our hope our kind of cry from the heart is that when professionals are working with children and young people, with vulnerable children and young people, they ask them about their online lives because all of the evidence that we've seen suggests that this isn't routinely happening. And what we discovered from vulnerable children in a digital world was that if you know a young person's offline experiences, if you know the vulnerabilities that they are living with or living through or having to deal with, you can predict the risks that they're going to encounter online. Well, if you can predict, you can intervene, but you can only intervene if the rainbow of adults surrounding our children have got the resources, the tools and the confidence, crucially, to make meaningful interventions, to talk about online life in a way that isn't patronising, that isn't dismissive, but that really understands why... um, you know, having streaks on Snapchat or why posting that picture on Instagram is so important for those young people and then talk about the opportunities and the risks. So that almost sounds like, so there's there's one aspect to that, which is about me as a, as a, as a, as a professional and, and having some confidence to talk about these things and to ask the questions mm-hmm. and not be worried that I won't necessarily understand the answer sure. um, and really kind of understand the kids that I've got in front of me. Um, but it's, there's kind of a secondary point there as well, then, isn't there? Which is about because you mentioned what was it, the rainbow? <laughs> is that the phrase you use? The rainbow of professionals, something lovely phraseology. Um, but this wider idea, then, so there's something there about systems or policy yes. or, or training, etc. Yes. yes. So, for example, you could be a uh, foster parent, a foster carer um, in the UK, but you don't have to have any mandatory online safety training. Right. And you just think, hmm. That seems to me to be a little bit short-sighted. Um, and so there's a number of things, right? So I also chaired the, the UKIS Working Group on Vulnerable Users, UK Council for Internet Safety uh, Working Group. And there's that, that group is, is sort of trying to do two things. One is to create resources for professionals so that their confidence level can increase and that they've got some 
bespoke, dedicated, nuanced resources that they can use with young people in their care. But also the more we get into this, and there's a sort of 20 odd organisations coming together to think about these issues, the more we realise that we are going to need some policy change, some systemic change, just to ensure that kind of policy is updated, that it keeps up to date with our digital world. Yeah. And I think that's probably a moving feast as well, isn't it? Yes, Which is continuing to learn. I mean, you've talked about the vulnerable children in a digital world report. Brilliant report there. Uh, Life Online for Children We Send. That's the one we started with. Mm. There's also the report, again, that Adrian uh, Katz uh, and, and others worked on. Look at me, teens, sexting and risks report as well yes and that's that report was fascinating because of course if you read uh the headlines uh you would think that every child in the country is regularly sending intimate images to uh to their partners or indeed to anybody else and they're not (laughs) no about 17 percent of young people generally as a whole uh seem to be sending intimate images but that belies um a more complex story so if you are a child in care 25% of children in care are sending intimate images. Um, and mm. you just think, okay, what support do we need to give these these uh, vulnerable children and young people? You know, what is missing in their lives such that they need to send those images? Um, but I yes, think, motivations. Yes, yeah, what motivates them to send it? And also, you know, back to the education point, so many people have told us, you know, we've been told not to send intimate images because very bad things will happen. And that's almost kind of capitalised, you know, the, the very and the bad. And yet when the cyber survey from which the uh, sexting report data is taken had responses from 6,000 children between the ages of 13 and 17, 78% of them said that nothing bad happened after they sent an intimate image. Now, that doesn't mean mm-hmm. that nothing bad happens. It meant it just means that they don't know about it. But for educators, for professionals, it means that just saying, you know, the world is going to end if you send this picture means that we yeah. sound outdated and irrelevant because that's not their lived experience. So I'm not saying bad things aren't happening. And actually, for the 22% of children and young people for whom bad things did happen, they were very dark and very bad. But it just means Mm. that we need to change how we talk about these things so that we're relevant, so that kids do, you know, look after themselves in a way that we would all hope for, particularly vulnerable kids. So I I was having a chat with Adrienne about about all of this this idea and and the kind of questions that you could ask um, to begin that conversation Mm. about online life. Because if you go straight into, have you ever sexted? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Whoa, okay. Um, you know, that might not be the place to start. And she suggested, which I thought was a really interesting question. She said the question to ask is, have you ever been hacked? Um, and <laughs> have you ever been hacked? <laughs> because it's a kind of it's a it's a kind of neutral question, isn't it? It doesn't imply that you've done something wrong. Um mm. it just, you know, something has happened, a bad actor has got involved with your online life. And so it's neutral and it gives the children and young people kind of space to answer that question. Yes. To, and know, she yeah. Sorry, go on. But also to go back to to sexting, you know, it's we identify it in the look at me report as a red flag behavior so if a children young person is sexting it's 
very likely that they're also encountering all sorts of other risks. And so as a practitioner, as a professional, then I would be hoping that that, you know, much wider questions would be asked. But of course, you're absolutely right. Children aren't necessarily just going to reveal everything. It has to be done in a sensitive way where there's trust and understanding and Children know, right, because they've been told again and again that if they send an intimate image, they are breaking the rules. So then if bad things happen, they think it's their fault because they've broken the rules. And so they're even less likely to want to have a conversation about it because they think they're going to be told off or that they're going to have their devices taken away. Mm -hmm. And for many, many young people, particularly vulnerable young people, their devices are their window on the world. It's their the way they connect online. It's the way they talk to their friends. It's the way they have something to talk about at school because they're gaming and that's the only thing, that, that's the only social currency at school. So there's a whole lot that we need to get into. It's complex. I haven't got any easy answers, Jess. I'm really sorry, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's complex and nuanced, but that's because we're working with people and we're all complicated and nuanced. That's right. That's absolutely right. So the the two hubs, just as a reminder to everybody then, they're connecting safely online and inclusive digital safety. And you said they're both accessible from the Internet Matters website. That's right. So if you go to internetmatters.org and then type in either connecting safely online or inclusive digital safety, you'll get to the right place. Yeah. And you've also got, as I mentioned earlier, loads of um, research, information, guides, etc. about vulnerable young people online. You've got a whole kind of section on that as well, which is just just fantastic. And it really feels to me like that's the future of online safety and digital citizenship, certainly in terms of education, is about getting much more down to the granular level of who are we actually working with and what are their needs and wants and motivations and aspirations and and risks and benefits and (laughs) all the rest of it. Okay. I think that's absolutely right. And just to say, I'm not for one second suggesting that Internet Matters has got this sorted, right? We're working (laughs) with so many other organisations because this is such a big thing. Um, So if there are other organisations that want to work with us on this, I'd love to hear from them. Well, actually, you make a good point because we are seeing an increase in uh, certainly in terms of educational resources that have been developed for for different audiences in mind, mm-hmm. aren't we? Yes. I mean, I, I ran a workshop a couple of years ago um, with professionals, which was really kind of asking the question of what do you need? So do you need you know, resources, uh, educational materials that are all translated into a certain format to work with different groups? Mm -hmm. Or do you need more training and support as a professional so that you can pick up, you know, an off the shelf um, uh, materials and then you can deliver those in a way that's going to suit your audience? And I suppose no surprises. The answer was, well, we kind of want both. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we need to deliver both. Right. And, And certainly your two hubs start to start to fill that in but they are they are by no means the kind of uh, ev- everything no that um, you're, you're absolutely right you're absolutely right they're not everything they are they are but a beginning um but they have been created i think with a with an awful lot of thought and based on the evidence that that we have at the moment but you're absolutely right there is significantly more to be done Okay, well, uh, Claire, normally on our podcasts, we give a recommendation of something to read, watch, 
play, listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have something that you would like to recommend? Well, my children are eight and six, so we are knee deep in the Chronicles of Narnia. Um, and oh. we're absolutely loving it. And I, I loved The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe when I was a child. But we've done that now and we're in the middle of um, Prince Caspian and we're just about to see whether um, Prince Caspian is going to triumph or whether King Miraz <laughs> uh, is is not going to. And then when they've gone to bed, I'm wading through um, the new Robert Galbraith, you know, the J.K. Rowling um, book uh, called Troubled Blood. And it's really good. Oh, Right. Oh, fabulous. Well, that should be my reading sorted. Well, I, I'm going to give a recommendation on something to watch. Uh, I've been watching, a ser- in fact, I have watched a series called Love on the Spectrum. Uh, it's a reality TV program. It's on Netflix, but it's an Australian program. So it might, it might be, you might be able to get it from elsewhere as well. Uh, and it's about uh, young autistic people seeking love. So it's a bit like a kind of dating. It's like a bit like wow. a reality dating TV, TV show. Um, it's, it's, it has its critics. Yeah, that's really interesting. Is it? Can I ask you a question? Is it? Yes. Is it done well? Are they safeguarded? Is it exploitative? How's 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 all that work? I mean, obviously, you only see what you see on screen, right? So you you kind of don't see behind the scenes. There are um, there are bit. I mean, you do see, for example, a young person who's kind of on a date in a restaurant and is finding it a bit challenging, Mm. and then says, "Oh, do you know what? I need to take a break." And then somebody behind the camera goes, so that's fine, you know. So, and they go off and take a break. You right. Know? And then they say, actually, I'm going to leave. Um, it, it, the, the, the criticisms that I've read about it are that it's not particularly diverse. So the young people that are featured uh, look you know, fairly middle class, mm. white, etc. So it's it's not necessarily representing the kind of full diversity of, 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 um, of young people with autism. Um, but... So, so those are the kind of criticisms, and and I can't speak to it any further regarding the kind of safeguarding aspect. Sure, but it's a very, um, it's quite a heartwarming sort of um, series, mm. and we actually watched it as a family. Now, there are some aspects that are not would not be appropriate for younger children. So I'm not <laughs> not saying go and sit there with your six year old. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> you know, check the content is suitable. But I was actually quite keen that we watched it as a family because it shows young people with, you know, disabilities and, and different difficulties. And they just they want love. Yeah. They want the same things as everybody Absolutely. else. Um, and it's also quite nice because it, it shows on the whole, um, you know, really a sort of positive and supportive families try, trying to support their young people and, and trying to help them. So, so I quite like that one. So that one's called um, Love on the Spectrum. So um, I, I think it's worth it. Okay, so thank you for listening to this SWGFL podcast. If you found our podcast helpful, please spread the word to your fellow educators. As always, if you have a query about an online safety issue affecting a young person, yourself or your organisation, you can contact the Professionals Online Safety Helpline at helpline at saferinternet.org.uk. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the podcast, don't forget to drop us an email at podcast at swgfl.org.uk. I would just very quickly say thank you very much, uh, Claire, for taking the time uh, with us today. And goodbye, everybody. This Safeguarding Children online podcast has been produced by SWGFL. Southwest Grid for Learning is a charity that has specialised in online safety for nearly 20 years and is one of the three partners in the UK Safer Internet Centre. The UK Safer Internet Centre is the national centre and one of 32 European Safer Internet Centres. For more information and terms of use, please visit 
www.swgfl.org.uk. Thanks for listening.